Welcome to Woody Online. You're listening to the audio of one of our pre-recorded services. We're based in Cardiff and we meet in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're able to join us, we would love to see you. We hope this week's message blesses you. Hello, my name's Justin. I'm one of the leaders here at Woodville Baptist Church in Cardiff. And we're continuing our confidence series. And this week I'm going to be exploring the topic of compassion. But first, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time where we can take a moment out of our busy lives to listen to what you have to say to us. Speak to us, Father, individually and as a church. Enrich our lives and guide us, we pray. Amen. So today I've been tasked with speaking on the third title in this current series, and that title is Confidence Through Compassion. And the passage we're going to be starting off with is Jeremiah 38, 11 to 14. So I'm just going to read that passage now. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so, and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. So just a bit of background. The book of Jeremiah is set during a turbulent time in Judah's history, beginning during the reign of King Josiah and ending with the fall of Jerusalem and the people of Judah being taken into exile in Babylon. The political situation was that Judah had become a vassal state, a vassal state to the mighty Babylonian Empire. Kim Jehoiakim had been removed and sent to Babylon for rebelling against the Babylonians, although he died en route, and King Zedekiah was appointed by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to take his place. However, King Zedekiah was determined to rebel also. Jeremiah had an unpopular message to share with anyone who would listen. And the message was this. The Babylonians were coming to defeat the Jews once and for all, and they were coming to absorb them into their empire. The Jews were under God's judgment. They were under God's judgment for their history of constant defiance of the Lord and his commands. And this was the ultimate consequence. Now, if they tried to rebel against Babylon, It would not just mean being invaded and occupied, it would actually lead to total defeat and destruction of the nation. This, however, was not a generally acceptable perspective. It was only Jeremiah who stood alone, telling his people to accept the fate that was to come to them. Rival prophets, however, on the other hand, told the king and his advisers exactly what they wanted to hear. And this was, this was what they wanted to hear, which was, fight back against their oppressors and the Lord will give them victory. That was what they wanted to hear. Because of his stance, Jeremiah was therefore very unpopular and under constant threat. And so King Zedekiah chose to listen to Jeremiah's rivals and decided to rebel. However, this led to the ultimate 
siege of the city of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. To his enemies, Jeremiah looked like a coward who was only there to demoralize the people with all his negativity. They could not believe that he spoke God's word of judgment for their sin and their rebellion. Jeremiah had already been thrown in prison once before. This time, Zedekiah's advisors conspired to have him thrown into a pit, left to starve to death, all alone in the dark, with nothing but mud and probably some other undesirable stuff to keep him company. However, Ebed-Melech, a palace official from Cush, also known as Ethiopia, he comes to Jeremiah's aid. He appeals to King Zedekiah and, with some help and a few borrowed rags, pulls Jeremiah up out of the pit. Ebed-Melech was putting his neck on the line to defend Jeremiah by appealing to the king. But he chose to take the risk. He showed not just courage, but compassion, which fueled his confidence to see a need and an injustice and meet it. As the commentator Leslie C. Allen says, the kindly intervention of Ebed-Melech stands as a disparaging foil to the official's cold-blooded cruelty. Just as foreign sailors in the first chapter of Jonah show up the prophet's spiritual deficiency, so this foreigner's compassion shines out against the dark scheming of native Judeans. Note that Ebed-Melech's intervention was more than helpful. It was also very considerate. Who would think of rope burn at a time like that? It took a special kind of confidence for Ebed-Melech to rescue Jeremiah from the miry pit. And it took a special kind of compassion to consider Jeremiah's armpits and provide rags in that very moment. When Jeremiah found himself abandoned, Ebed-Melech risked his own personal safety to come to Jeremiah's aid. Ebed-Melech is the kind of practical and compassionate friend we could all do with. The following chapter confirms that it was Ebed-Melech's trust in the Lord that motivated him. But this passage that I've just read beautifully shows courage and compassion working together to create godly confidence. His combination of trust in God and kindness for another person gave him enough confidence to do the right thing in the right way. So let's look at this concept of compassion. The English word compassion is derived from the Latin root passio, which means to suffer, and it's paired with the prefix com, which means together. So compassion literally means to suffer together. Researchers have defined it as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Compassion is not the same as empathy or altruism, although the concepts are related. While empathy refers more generally to our ability to take the perspective of and feel the emotions of someone else, compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to help. Altruism, in turn, is the kind, selfless behaviour often motivated by feelings of compassion. Though one can feel compassion without acting on it, and altruism isn't always driven by compassion. In some sectors of society, compassion may be regarded as a weakness, 
lily-livered sentimentalism and suited to a world where it's all about dog-eat-dog, dog, the survival of the fittest. The often quoted charity begins at home can sometimes be trundled out as justification for not doing anything to help other people. However, in recent times, we have seen many instances of an overflow of compassion for those who are in need. For example, compassion towards the people of Ukraine, the people whose lives have been devastated by a terrible war, or towards the nations of Turkey and Syria, which has endured multiple deadly earthquakes, killing over 50,000 people and leaving over a million homeless. People have donated time, money and resources, even spare bedrooms in their homes, to help strangers in desperate need. Compassion features a lot in the Bible, and there are at least five different words for it in the Hebrew and Greek. There are many examples of people feeling compassion for others. For example, Pharaoh's daughter took great pity on the baby Moses in Exodus 2. And there are also numerous examples of God showing compassion towards humanity. In Ezekiel 20, 17, it says, Yet I looked on them with pity and did not destroy them or put an end to them in the wilderness. I think most of us who are Christians would consider compassion a key feature of expressing our faith. Christianity has a long history of helping the needy, the destitute, the suffering. And while, admittedly, Sometimes that help has not necessarily been delivered in the right way. The motivation has usually come from an earnest place to do the right thing. Those actions have been inspired by scripture, in particular, the works of Jesus. Jesus helped the many people he met through miraculous acts of healing and kindness, not to mention profound words of teaching that changed hearts and altered the course of history. Now, I think there is a subtle difference between simply helping someone and having compassion for them. We may feel obligated to just simply help someone in a certain situation. It may just be part of our job, for example. If you ask a tour guide in a foreign city for directions to the train station, they're not doing it out of compassion. They're doing it because, well, they're paid to do it. They don't feel sorry for you. There isn't a lump in their throat or an ache in their heart over your travel requirements. You may be driving down the road and someone's car's broken down and is blocking the way. Helping them move the car to the side of the road has some merit, but if you're doing it just so you can continue your journey, well, that's not really being done out of compassion. It's merely a practical response to an inconvenient situation. Checking the person's okay and offering to help fix the car or calling a mechanic to come and help um, get the car going that does add another dimension uh, to, to that assistance and may be considered compassionate. But I think compassion is more of a response to dire, heartbreaking situations that really should demand our swift attention and action. There should be an almost aching need to act, almost something physical. And in chapter 9 of the book of Matthew, Jesus is going about the towns and villages teaching and healing. In verse 36 it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The Greek word for compassion that's used here is, um, I'm going to try and say this the right way, but I'll probably get it wrong, splachnizomai. And this means to be moved as to one's bowels, 
hence to be moved with compassion, to have compassion. It was thought that the bowels were the seat of love and pity in ancient times. So you can see why that word is there. So this, that idea of something deep within, something down in the bowels, that in the gut, moving us to act, and that's what that word compassion is, is saying there. I think that when we consider the concept of compassion, it's a response to one or more of the following three things. Number one, the needs of the hurting. Those who are in physical or emotional pain or having to cope with sickness or disease. Then there's number two, the needs of the poor and disadvantaged. Those who have little or no possessions or um, no financial security. Those who are homeless. And then there's three, the needs of the lost. Those who are spiritually poor. Those who do not have faith and are far from God. In the Gospels, Jesus and his disciples respond to these needs on many occasions, and clearly, as Christians, it's an example for us to follow and to emulate. Proverbs 31, 8-9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And 1 Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. But what if we feel the need to rediscover our compassionate side? Perhaps you're suffering from what's known as compassion fatigue, a state of mental and physical exhaustion leading to a lack of empathy or care towards others. This idea of compassion fatigue can be brought on by the overwhelming demands of caring for others. It can also stem from the fact that the world is just such a vast place of need. Suffering, pain and hardship are everywhere we look, and it's all the more prominent in our minds thanks to the internet and 24-hour news. Constant exposure to this can become too much, overwhelming, and so we can become desensitised to it. Perhaps you're oblivious to what's going on around you because of your personal circumstances. It's easy to be so inwardly focused on our own problems that we forget about others. And often it can all be relative. Some people can be facing far, far worse situations than us, but it can be difficult to recognise that. It's a well-known truism that helping others less fortunate than ourselves can sometimes put our own situations into perspective. And so taking that bold step of acting out of compassion can actually shake us out of any trance of self-pity that we might have. I know because I've been through such a process myself in my own personal experience. I think the key thing is that compassion cannot just be felt. To be of any value, it needs to be practical. As they say, love is a verb, it's an action. Saying you love someone and not caring for their physical or emotional needs rings hollow. In 1 John 3.18, the writer says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's crucial to see how Jesus goes out among the people, the rich, the poor, the undesirables, his enemies and his friends, and he acts upon his compassion. One thing to remember is that the enemy does not want us to be compassionate. We don't see it, 
but acts of supreme compassion and sacrifice send ripples across the spiritual realm in a way that we probably can't truly comprehend. Just as prayer is a form of spiritual warfare, I get the sense that compassion is too. And I don't mean random acts of kindness, good though they are and not to dismiss them, but sacrificial, real hands-in-the-mud compassionate deeds that alleviate the suffering of, suffering of others. I think compassion is interfering with the schemes of Satan. The one who, as it says in John 10.10, comes to steal and kill and destroy. So if we experience uh, some kind of spiritual opposition when we're trying to be compassionate, I guess it's an indication that we're doing something right. Returning to chapter 39 of the book of Jeremiah, we see Jerusalem tragically falling to the Babylonians. But Ebed-Melech is saved by the Lord, no doubt a reward for his actions. We might even call it a true rags-to-riches story. But he surely wasn't thinking of himself when he acted so bravely and with such compassion towards Jeremiah. Ebed-Melech's compassion is a foretaste of God's kindness and compassion shown in Christ. In his incarnation, he too comes to our aid in rescuing us. But instead of pulling us out of the pit, he climbs down and redeems us by becoming one of us. His compassion led to the cross, dying for us in our place. So I want to present you with a challenge. This week, think about how you can be more compassionate. What can you do in your day-to-day -day life? Read over the stories of Jesus and see how he responds to those in need. Be on the lookout for examples of compassion in other parts of Scripture in your daily devotions. And finally, pray that the Lord will, will reveal to you new opportunities to be compassionate. To open your eyes to the people he wants you to reach out to and to demonstrate his overflowing love. This love that he wants us to show to the hurting, the needy and the lost. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us to be more compassionate in our daily lives, coming alongside and bringing your love to those around us, friends, family, colleagues and classmates. Show us, Lord, new opportunities to serve others and reveal to us your heart for humanity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's it from me. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, next week we'll be looking at the next topic in our series, which is confidence through consistency. So thanks very much. Have a great week.